Welcome to Born to Sell Denver with Brian Smith. Sean Modry is on assignment today, and I'm here with a special guest, international best-selling author Tommy Spaulding. Tommy, thanks for coming on the show. So tell me a little bit about you. Oh, Brian, it's an honor to be on your podcast. You're a dear friend. I love you and your family. Uh, I was born and raised in New York. My parents were school teachers, and uh, I never really left the country until I graduated high school. I struggled academically, have dysplasia, so I graduated a 2.0 in, in high school. I'd like to tell people I got a 4.0 if you took my high school GPA and you added it to my college GPA. <laughs> so I struggled academically, and college wasn't really for me. So when I graduated high school, I joined this international global leadership organization called Up with People, which is a nonprofit. You know, and their mission is to bring people together and do community service and travel the world. And so I spent a year of my life traveling all over the world with people that were Jewish, Christian, black, white, rich, poor, communist, capitalist, gay, straight, every walk of life. And Brian, that was the year at 17 years old, traveling the world with up with people, where I really learned how to love all people. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And it's funny, I told you this story once before, but... I remember my dad's high school had up with people mm-hmm. at their high school in Barrington, Illinois. And I specifically remember that. And I always wondered if you were there um, to uh, participate in that event that they had. But so far, you have written three books. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to start with the first one. Um, it's not just who you know. Now, I asked you this question before we got on the podcast because mm-hmm. your first book that you published, I'm not sure if it's the first one you've written, but the first one you published mm-hmm. became uh, number uh, two on the New York Times, number two on Wall Street Journal, and number one in USA Today um, book list. Mm-hmm. That's not normal, is it? <laughs> no, I got, I got really lucky. <clears throat> There's so many great books out there, Brian, but I think my book came at a time where people were starving to learn about building authentic relationships. But the truth of the matter, Ken Blanchard, who is the author of The One Minute Manager and the greatest business author of all time, he endorsed the book. He wrote the forward, and it, that kind of gave me a little head start. But the book really hit a chord about changing the way you live your life from a transactional nature to a deep, more meaningful, authentic relationships. And how do you bring that to the business? And uh, that really hit a, hit a chord with people. Now, that was uh, around 2011? Yeah, well, 2010 was my first book, and that was a New York Times bestseller the first week it came out, actually. Okay, so you're talking today to a lot of real estate agents. Sure. So how is this book relevant to real estate agents? Yeah, well, you know, you, you would arguably say that, you know, real estate is, is it could be a transactional beast. You know, you, you're, you're selling homes, and there's a lot of real estate agents in the, in the world that, that look at this as more of a transactional beast. But the ones that are really successful don't look that way. They, they look at it as, as a relationship piece. And I, I guarantee every, rela- every agent that works in Kelly Williams know, you know, knows that you know, real estate's all about relationships. But that book, all 289 pages of it, it, it it's, it's not about just relationships, but how do you go deeper? How do you build like deep, meaningful, authentic relationships. Like, Brian, the kind of relationships where you get invited to someone's house for Thanksgiving dinner. That's the type of relationships that you want to build. And so I wrote this whole book about the five floors of relationships. First floor being very transactional and the fifth floor being like the deep, authentic, lifelong, life customer relationship. And how do you build that and why do you build that? 
Well, I think that's very relevant to real estate agents too, because you're helping people buy the most expensive thing they're probably ever going to buy in their entire life. Sure. And a lot of the time, the good agents spend their time really finding uh, out what's important to these people and doing what we call a needs analysis Mm -hmm. and uh, going deep with what's important to them. Because a lot of times people don't really know until they actually start talking about it to a real estate agent. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been blessed to speak to a lot of different real estate companies throughout my 20 year career, probably hundred of them. And, you know, I, I do hear like real estate agents are trying to get, you know, tech savvy and, 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 and have blogs and, and be, have a viral, you know, um, impact and emailing and, and, and Instagram and, you know, websites and mailing out Christmas cards and doing all the proper things and database and all that. And I guess that all, is important, but the real estate agents that I've met around the world that are really incredibly producers that are having incredible impact in the industry, they just take the relationships they have and figure out how to go deeper and more meaningful and more authentic with those relationships. And they become champions and ambassadors to your business. So what are some of the things that real estate agents can do to actually do that, to go to that fifth floor? Yeah. So the, the five floors, the first floor is kind of transactional. The, the, you know, I do this for you. You do this for me. We, we have transactional relationships every day. The, the barista at Starbucks, you know, the, the Uber driver, tr- transactional relationships. The second floor is what I call NSW relationships, which stands for new sports weather. It's small talk. Yeah. And that's the tragedy of this world is a lot of people never leave the second floor. And a lot of real estate agents, all they talk about is news, sports, weather, small talk. And you're never going to gain a lifelong customer. You're never going to gain a lifelong friend doing small talk. You got to go to the third floor where it's more deep, more meaningful, more vulnerable. You move to the fourth floor where you're really not just being vulnerable, but you're actually listening to their needs. That you're not just trying to sell them their house. You're not just trying to win their business. When you're on the fourth and fifth floor, you try to win their heart. And when you win someone's heart, they give you their business for the rest of their lives. That's the difference. Now, I've been around you a lot because of our son's friendship, and mm-hmm. that's how we met, and we became sure. good friends. And it's always amazing to me. Like, I remember one time we were up in Vail at a hotel, and all of a sudden you started talking to the valet person up there mm-hmm. like he was your best friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not just uh, for you. It's, it's really for everybody. You're trying to go to the next level. So if you start at one, the first floor, then it's to get to the mm-hmm. second one and to the third one and the fourth one yeah. and fifth one. One of the things that I, I, I resent about the human species is that sometimes we qualify who, we, who, we, who we're nice to and who we're not nice to, who's important, who's not important. And, you know, some would say the valet person's maybe not that important, so you don't really have to network or build a relationship with that person. And I just think that's total bullshit. I just believe we're called to love and serve all people, and you're kind to all people, and you're interested in all people, and you, everyone's got a story. And our job is, as, as human beings is to learn people's story. And I believe, didn't you write a blog about the valet guy? <laughs> yeah, Ricky, yeah. who turned out to be just this amazing human being in my life and heard his story. And his dad was murdered uh, in drugs in Mexico cartel when he was in his mother's womb and never knew his dad and immigrated over. I mean, just everyone has a story. And I think in this world, Brian, we move so fast. We move a thousand miles an hour. Sometimes we forget to stop and know that everybody has an incredible story of what they've gone through, what they're going through. And if we take the time to learn people's story and truly 
authentically care about learning about these stories and not just try to get something from somebody, we're going to have a pretty successful life. Or the, the third thing would be where they want to go. If you can be that person that takes them where they want to go, imagine the connection you could make at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So the second book that you wrote uh, is The Heart-Led Leader. Mm -hmm. And I love this book. It was number one, Wall Street, uh, Amazon. Uh, It was actually a uh, top 100 business book of all time, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, that's amazing, Mm. you know? And so tell me about that book and, um, you know, what this, how this book came about and how you started writing it, and what this book teaches people. Mm. My grandparents, Brian, were hairdressers. They lived in White Plains, New York, and they were married for 57 years. They, they were Italian. They came over from Italy. They owned this little hairdresser studio in White Plains, New York, and my parents, my mother, lived above that hairdresser studio in a two-bedroom apartment, and it was called Helen and Anthony's Hairdresser Studio, and for... 40 years, they cut hair together. My grandmother would shampoo women's hair, and my, de- my grandpa would cut and style women's hair. And they were just totally devoted to each other, totally in love, hold hands, kissed. You know, They had this beautiful marriage. And um, eventually, my grandmother uh, had a stroke after like 40 years of marriage and uh, just devastated my grandfather. And she spent the rest of her life in a nursing home. And the doctors and physical therapists said my grandmother would never walk or talk again because of the severity of the stroke. But my grandfather did not want that for his wife. So he showed up at that nursing home every morning at seven o'clock when the doors opened. And for two years, he did massage therapy and, and speech pathology and strength and conditioning and helped my grandmother walk and talk again. It was the true testament of unconditional love. Eventually, my grandfather passed away of a brain tumor. Um, and uh, we were by his bedside at hospice. And Brian, I'm not sure if you've ever been with someone before they're about to die. It's a pretty emotional, beautiful thing. And uh, we're all going around the room telling Anthony, Papa, that's how we say it, grandfather Italian, how much we love him. Papa, we love you. Papa, we love you. And with his last breath, he looks up and says, stop telling me you love me. He yells, like, stop telling me you love me. And he says, show me you love me. And then he dies. And I, I wondered for years what he meant by that. Don't tell me you love me. Stop telling me you love me. Show me you love me. And I realized 20 years later when I was about to pen my second book, The Heart-Led Leader, that that's what leadership's all about. Mm. Don't tell me what you're going to do for me. Don't tell me what kind of reels you're going to be. Don't tell me what you're going to sell me. Don't tell me what you're going to do for me. Just show me that you care about me through your actions. And that is really the, what heart-led leadership is all about. Wow, that's, that's powerful. And so um, this book that you wrote, uh, how long after the first book that, uh, did you write this book? Yeah, a lot of smart authors write a book every year. It takes me about five <laughs> or six years to write a book because I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> but I was just, I have so much heart in that book. And really, it's about the journey from the head to the heart. For years, we just led with our heads. And uh, we we're strategic, analytical thinkers. And, you know, often those soft qualities were kind of poo-pooed. But today, when you connect the head and the heart, that's called the journey of 18 inches. The, the, the distance from your head to your heart is 18 inches. So how do we move from the head to the heart and lead from the heart? And what the book's really about is those 18 inches are, are, are everything. And those 18 inches are 18 qualities. And I believe the most important qualities to be a heart-led leader or heart-led, a heart-led realtor is authenticity, vulnerability, transparency. Number one quality, humility. Like heart leaders are totally humble, genuine, 
authentic, like these qualities that are so important to be successful in life. And the book really talks about how and why we should really embrace these qualities in everything we do. Now, I've interviewed quite a few uh, real estate teams. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the teams that really comes to mind that I interviewed is um, Tyler Shields and the Relevate team. And that's how he treats his team. That's the attitude that he has. And we talked a little bit about how he uh, has this really talented person named Natalia on his team. And he had to create his world that was big enough for hers to fit into it. Mm -hmm. And how you could just tell by how they communicate that there's respect, there's care, there's appreciation, um, and that he genuinely wants her to succeed. Mm. And so I think if you're a real estate team and you're listening to this, it's very easy to treat people like employees Mm -hmm. and not lead from the heart. Mm. And um, this book would be a great book for you to pick up to learn about finding that person that really then becomes unrecruitable from your team um, and stays with you for a long period of time because you have that type of relationship. Yeah. Investing in the lives of others is the most important thing we can do as leaders when we invest in people. That's right. So the third book that just came out in September mm-hmm. is, so now we are on a journey of uh, 12 years, three books. The third book came out, uh, The Gift of Influence. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm assuming that this book is doing really, really well because you've been on the road a lot. <laughs> oh, what a blessing it's been. And I think it's my, my favorite book and uh, but definitely the best I've written. Yeah. So tell me about that. You talk about in that book the concept of everyone has an opportunity to influence a, a number of people in their lifetime. So tell everybody that story. Sure. Well, influence, first of all, we had to hijack the word back. Because if you look up the word influence in the dictionary today, it's about you know, market share and it's about being an influencer on the internet. How many social media you know, hits can you have and how many pocketbooks or tequila bottles you can sell on the internet. Which really is no relationship. Nothing to do with that. A true influencer, in my opinion, is someone that influences the lives of others and makes other lives better. And so we took that word and we hijacked it back and said, what is really influence about? And we did some research and the, the human... You know, the, the, the human being um, meets 2.8 new people a day. You know, they, they, did some, they did some research at Stanford University that the average human being, when they wake up and when they go to bed, they meet 2.8 new people a day. I mean, just my day, I went to Starbucks, had a coffee, had lunch at a restaurant. There I go. had to go to the post office, went to the dry cleaners. You know, I, I did like five or six things before I met you, Brian. So I met like 10 new people today. But the average human being meets 2.8 people a day. If you take 2.8 people a day times the average life expectancy, which is 78 years, 365 days a year times 78 years, you get exactly 80,000 people. So in our lifetimes, Brian, the average human being will influence and meet 80,000 people. Wow. I mean, I just, when I first heard that, it just moved me like, wow, 80,000 people we're going to get to meet. We're going to have a positive or negative influence on life. You mentioned the valet guy, Ricky, at, you know, at the Vail, you know, hotel, you know, we, we could have had a, you know, a negative experience. It could have been a jerk to him. We could have just never talked to him and looked at our phones and, you know, slipped 10 bucks for parking our car and, you know, had no influence on him. Or we could have asked him his story and, 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 and build a relationship with him. We have a choice every day to have an influence in every person we meet. 2.8 people 
times 365 days a year times 78 years is 80,000 people. So I started becoming obsessed with this, like 80,000 people. What if at the end of our lives, we actually got to meet all 80,000 of those people? Like, how cool would that be? Like, everyone that we met in our entire life, we got to say goodbye and meet before we died. And where would they fit? They'd fit in a football stadium. So I started researching. There's 37 stadiums in the United States with exactly 80,000 seats. And so my question to you know, your agents and your teams are, is this, at the end of your life, right before you die and go to heaven or wherever your faith takes you, you walk on a 50-yard line of a football stadium by yourself. You walk on that 50-yard line and there's 80,000 people in that stadium. Every single person you've met since you were a little baby in kindergarten up until you were in a nursing home, all 80,000 people, and they're there to say goodbye to you. And the question is, what's the sound of that stadium? That's your legacy. Everyone you've met your entire life are there to say goodbye. Are they just you know, clapping and stamping their feet and giving you a stand ovation because you took the time to hear their story? You sold them a house during their divorce. You, you built an authentic relationship with them. You, you, you built these beautiful heart-led relationships, and they, they're just going crazy in the stadium. Or is the stadium booing? Because you're led your life in a transactional nature and you put yourself first always and you were just pretty much a jerk, you know? Or is, is, is the stadium silent? Because we spent our whole life looking down our phones and not looking up to the person in front of you. And so that's our legacy. And I'm hoping that my stadium is screaming and yelling. And Brian, I know that your stadium is going to be Screaming and yelling, I'm going to be in that stadium screaming for you. <laughs> well, I'll be in yours. Hopefully, I'll be in yours before you'll be in mine. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we, we've had an opportunity to travel uh, some because of our boys and mm-hmm. hockey. And and um, I'm always amazed how you are so memorable to people. You know, yeah. like we go places and um, you know practically everybody or people where you go all the time. What do you think you do to become that person that becomes so memorable? Because real estate agents come in contact, you know, in an open house. Yeah. You might have 10 to 20 people walk in in a weekend. How do you become memorable to these people? Yeah. Well, I, I can answer that question. Thank you. By the way, it's a beautiful compliment. I can answer that question what I don't want to be. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be transactional. I don't want to be that guy that wants something from everybody and never gives something to nobody. And I think a lot of salespeople, whether you're in real estate or banking or whatever you're selling, sometimes you can kind of get self-promoting and self-absorbed and self, self, self. And I think what makes me memorable is that I just have this genuine love for people, getting to know their story and not, want, not, want, not wanting anything from them. And people find that refreshing because most people want something from somebody and this whole thing called networking. We go in these events to network, to meet people, to help us. And I just, I'm not a big fan of networking. I'm a huge fan of what I call net giving. When we go to events and we're meeting people and we're constantly trying to meet people, meet people, meet people to find their story, find out how we can help them. So it's not networking, you know, building relationships to help us. It's net giving. How do you meet people to build relationships to help them? And then you pour into them. 
and hear their story and find out how you can help them. And what happens is eventually they find out you sell real estate. And the best kind of business is when someone calls you up and says, hey, I, I want to give you my business because you earned it. Because you, you, you pursued my heart. And you pursued my relationship. And you didn't just pursue my business. Right. I think that's the difference. I think when I was a young real estate agent... I kind of had this reputation of being a connector. I mean, people told me that. They, they would say, you know, you know everybody that we need to know. Or if you, uh, you know, if they needed a job, mm-hmm. I knew somebody they could talk to. And I think one of the th- reasons why that happened was because I actually got to know people. They, a lot of my clients, especially early on, became some of my good friends. Mm-hmm. And so I was that person that they could always pick up the phone and say, hey, do you got a minute? I need this or I can help with this. And I became that person mm-hmm. um, for a lot of my people. Yeah. And so um, is what else? So what's the plan then moving forward for Gift of Influence? I know you have a big event coming up here. Yeah. I'm trying to pivot because I'm on the road the last 15 years. And, and what's that like? You know, like I know yeah. uh, there's, you know, Sean uh, Modry, who usually does, does these yeah. podcasts with me as an author. And, um, you know, I know a lot of other people that have written books. And so what's that like to be on the road all the time? Yeah, it's hard. I, I love what I do. I, I, I love getting an audience and knowing that you can make them laugh and cry and tell stories and, 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 and they want to leave, you know, better and be better husbands and wives and partners and, and employees and, and, and human beings. And I love that. I, I love that. But I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I miss a lot of games and recitals and you know, family events, because, um, you don't really make money in the books. You make money in the keynotes. And if you do 250 of them a year, you do the math, you're on the road, you know, 250 days a year. And that's kind of hard. So we're going to pivot and we're going to do our first kind of global virtual event in May 3rd. And thank you, Brian, for supporting us and getting a table there. We're going to have it live in Denver, but then we're going to tap into, you know, a million leaders around the world that are, you know, familiar with my work and they can watch it, you know, virtually. On May third, and so that's going to really be my next big thing is really building a truly global virtual event that I do every year. Very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, we're taking some people to that event, and we're very excited. We've mm-hmm. been to the the last couple events that you've done here mm-hmm. in Denver, and uh, my staff, especially who's been there for those, they look forward to it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just had a conversation with one of them. They're like, "Okay, well, we have our list now. This is who we're going to invite." Mm-hmm. So, um, are you working on another book right now? I am, and I, and I'm I, my my mind's everywhere, but I'm still kind of deep in the in the influence thing. And I got to tell you, Brian, that book hit me because, you know, usually when you write a book, you're you're kind of an expert out of out of out of a subject, and you share your expertise, like building relationships or being a servant leader. Like this book. I didn't write as an expert. I, I wrote as a student. Like, I want to influence more lives. I want to become a better influencer. And I'm learning every day. I'll just share you one story that happened, you know, just this past, you know, September. But as you know, our boys play hockey and we drove Tate to, uh, to prep school. And you got a boy in prep school. So you know how hard it is to mm-hmm. say goodbye to your kid. Your kid was a year older than mine, but Tate was 14. And we were dropping him off at Shattuck up in Minnesota that, to, you know, play hockey for the year. And, 
you know, he's never been away from home before and, and, and Jill and I are just trying our best not to cry. And, you know, I didn't want to cry in front of Tate cause I know he'd lose it and Jill would lose it. And so we just sucked it up and came hug and said, we'll see you in a couple of months. Well, and you're, you're a crier. <laughs> I've seen I, am you. A, I am a crier. It was like <laughs> the hardest thing to drop your kid off. That's 14 at boarding school. I just, I didn't grow up that way. I went to public school. My dad was a school teacher. Like I never thought I'd be doing that, but he's got this gift in hockey. So we did it. And, we, Joe and I drove to the airport, you know, just about an hour away and we just, we didn't even talk. We were, we were just like numb. We felt like, like someone amputated our leg, like ripped our heart out. We're just numb. We get to the airport in Minneapolis and we get to the restaurant and we decided to get a glass of wine in the middle of the day just to kind of numb the pain a little bit, had a little Mexican food. And I said to Jill, you know, I'm going to pay the bill and head over to the gate and get things ready to get bored the plane. I'll meet you there. So I'm walking to the gate and I, I noticed the right-hand side, there was a caribou coffee. And that's like, kind of like the Starbucks of, of Minneapolis airport. And I'm walking by there, and there's this woman at the caribou coffee right in the gate area, uh, in the middle of the, the, you know, the, the terminal, um, at the table. And she's just crying. And not to kind of cry like a couple of tears, like, like bawling. And she's writing a letter and just bawling. And, and I walk right by her. I get to my gate. And some... Somehow, some way, I just felt that's one of my 2.8 people. Mm. Like, I'm supposed to meet her. I'm supposed to be with her. I'm supposed to comfort her. Everyone's walking by her, but I'm not. And so I turned around, and I walked back to that caribou coffee. I didn't ask to sit down at her table. I just pulled up a chair, and I said, you having a rough day? And she looked at me, and she's crying. She goes, yeah. I'm from London, as you can tell from my accent, and I got this boyfriend in Minneapolis, and uh, we had this long-distance relationship, and it's just, it's just not working out. And I'm writing him a letter that's over, and it's really hard. And so she's crying. And I leaned into her and said, well, I just dropped off my 14-year-old son at boarding school, and I've never said goodbye to my 14-year-old before, and I'm feeling like that someone just ripped my heart out, and I'm in pain too. And I, so I started crying. She started crying again, and all of a sudden we're hugging. And my wife walks by the terminal and she sees me hugging this lady and she goes, there's my, there's my, there's my husband <laughs> changing the world. But seriously, I, I think about that, that lady. I never got her phone number, never, never got information, but I know 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now when I'm, when I'm, when I'm dying and I go to that stadium to say goodbye to the 80,000 people that I met, I know that that woman from England will be in my stadium and I know she'll be saying you're the guy that turned around that airport yeah you know what's amazing about that is it doesn't matter who you are either you could have been Tommy Spaulding best-selling author or you could have been Tommy Spaulding you know guy that works at 7-Eleven yeah and so it doesn't matter I mean the fact that that someone felt like they needed to stop and and say you know I I can feel you right now yeah because I'm sure, you know, you didn't have a, I mean, as, as husbands, we, we often try to solve problems, right? And we often try to fix things. But just the fact that you were there to just say, I'm with you, I, mm. I can feel you, you know, that probably made a huge impact for her. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Okay. And so the, um, the next book then, well, actually, let, let's, let's shift. I'm, I'm sitting here in your office, hmm. and I'm looking around, and... 
It's an amazing place, by the way. I think I may just like try and pay you rent. Just come <laughs> hang out here. This is a cool place. But I'm looking at all the books that you have around. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, Mark Sanborn and Andy Andrews and Jim Collins and Mitch Album and, um, you know, all the, the books that a lot of people in our industry, a lot of people in business read. And obviously you've read them all. Mm. Okay. So who are your influences? Mm. That are authors? Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one book that really moved my heart called Same Kind of Different Than Me. And it's written by two people, Denver Moore and I think Ron Hall. And I think Denver Moore has passed away, but I think it's the greatest book I ever read. Same Kind of Different as Me. And it just moved me in a way that I'll never forget. Best book I ever read. And it basically is about a an art dealer at a, at a Fort Worth, like a rich white art dealer that's kind of cocky and, you know, kind of looks in the rearview mirror at himself and, hey, aren't I, you know, a good art dealer and making a lot of money? And he's really close about having an affair on his, with his wife, on his wife and um, cheating on her. And he's just in a bad place, just cocky. And his wife kind of figures out that he's about to have an affair and basically says to him, I'm going to leave you. You're cocky, you're arrogant, you know. You're, you're about to be unfaithful. But if you want this marriage to work, you need to start volunteering with me at the, at the homeless shelter, the soup kitchen down at Fort Worth. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to that place, crazy people. But he loves his wife, so he starts volunteering at this true story, by the way. So he's volunteering at this uh, soup kitchen, and he meets uh, Denver Moore, an African-American who literally was born homeless and was raised on the streets and never lived in a home. And they they start a friendship and the book is basically about a friend of a white man and a black man, a homeless man and a a housed man and how they can build a just beautiful, what I call fifth floor relationship. And it's the most moving book about love. And I think at the end of the day, any author that can tap into the, to love is something that I want to read. Yeah. And it's a true story, which is really cool, right? Absolutely. Okay. So the events that you have coming up, so what are, what are we going to do there? I know you can't tell all the yeah. details because it's, it's special and, and it's going to be an amazing event, but what's the day going to look like? Yeah. What's well, a three-hour event? And, and can people access this event? Yep. yep. Virtually all over. You can tap in and also watch it online live, or you can actually watch it up for the 30 days after the event. Just go to tommyspalding.com, S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G.com. Um, but the events could be more than just me getting up and speaking about leadership. We're going to bring music and video, but we're going to tell stories. But the goal is how do you inspire people to be great and to be great to others? And how do you build a business with authentic relationships and heart-led relationships? And how do you change the world? And how do you make a difference in the world? And how do you fill your stadium with 80,000 people? And so when you leave, you're just really filled up with ways that we can be better, better spouses, better parents, better grandparents, better leaders, better salespeople, agents, uh, and just really um, how do you live a life of, of influence and how do you give that gift to others? That sounds awesome. I'm excited to go. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so then what comes next for after we get through this event? So what comes next for Tommy Spaulding? Yeah, well, I'm really passionate about high school kids uh, a lot of people read my books and they think I'm an author, which I am, but my real passion is working with high school kids. And 24 years ago, we started the Tommy Spaulding Leadership Institute, which runs uh, our Global Youth Leadership Academy and National Leadership Academy, which are high school programs. 
Every summer, we bring about 250 high school kids to Denver to learn about servant leadership. And every summer for the past 23 summers, we take 50 high school kids, you know, 40 to 50 high school kids over to Europe for a week. And uh, I spend a week with them, really teaching them how to love and serve others. And we're going to go to Italy this summer with 50 high school kids. And what's great about these kids is half of them are full scholarship kids, like 100 percent you know, boys and girls club, inner city kids that would never have been on an airplane or ever go to Europe. And the other half are more privileged kids. And to bring whites and blacks and Jews and Christians and rich and poors and grays and straights and just all types of people together to really learn how to love is pretty cool. And high school kids, they just get it. And they smell bullshit and they just want authenticity. And and, and if you give it to them, they just thrive. And so that's my favorite week of the year is taking 50 high school kids overseas. Now, I know there's going to be people that want to find out more about that. Yeah. So where do you go to find out more? Uh, Global Youth Leadership Academy.com. Okay. And all the information is on there. You bet. Okay. Very cool. All right. And so as a real estate agent, now I'm, I'm listening to this podcast as a real estate agent. Okay. What are the key things that I think that you think they should take out of this conversation that we're having about how to be a better real estate agent? Yeah. Well, here's some to do. Here's some homework. Um, I, I call it a relationship audit. I talk about it in my first book. It's not just who you know. And if you can do this, it will change your life. It will change your business. Just take out a piece of paper. you got one right in front of you. And write one through ten. And tonight, really think about who are ten uh, really important people in your business. They could be clients that refer you. They could be you know, m- you know, employees. They could be teammates. But who are ten most important people in your business? And write their first and last name down. And then really look at those names and ask yourself, what level relationship do you have with them? Do you have a first floor? Is it transactional? Do you have a second floor, NSW, just talk, small talk? Do you have a third floor? You're kind of vulnerable to them, but you don't really know their story. Do you have a fourth floor where they, you know their story? You know their kid has got depression. You know they're going through a divorce. You, you know what's going on in their life. Or do you have a fifth floor, penthouse relationship, I call, where you just have pure love for each other and all you want to do is love and serve them. And, and, then, and then do an audit. Really ask yourself, how well do you know these 10 most important people in your business? And I challenge you for the next year, want nothing in return from these 10 people and every day find a way to love and serve them. If you're reading a book, buy 10 copies and mail them all the book. If you see a movie, <clears throat> go to the movie theater and buy some tickets and say, you got to go see this movie. Write them a letter. Call them during their birthdays, not just the birthdays or Hanukkahs or Christmas, but when they're going through a tough time, reach out to them. Find a way to go deep with those 10 people. And then all of a sudden, those 10 people become ambassadors of your goodwill and they become champions of your business. That's how you build an authentic business is going deep with the people that you know and want nothing in return. That's the difference between a good agent and a bad agent, in my opinion, is the bad agents want something in return. The good agents want to help and serve and love. Repeat. Help, serve, love, repeat. And guess what? Their business is off the charts because of that. Is there any significant number or anything significant to the number of 10? Or is, do you think that there's a, a maximum number of people that you can have that type of relationship with? I think it's hard. I mean, people always ask me, how many fifth floor relationships you have? And you can't have a hundred because this is about having a deep, meaningful one. I mean, you and I have a fifth floor relationship, but it's, it's, it's rare. 
Um, but if you can have 10, 15, 20 faithful relationships in your life, you're a pretty blessed person. Um, but if you can build a business where your reputation is you're a, a servant leader, and there, there's two types of people in the whole world. There's those that are servants and that put others before themselves, and then those that are self-serving and those that put themselves before others. And you have to do a lot of reflection of what kind of leader you are. And if you really are kind of more of a self-serving leader, you, there's a lot of work that you can do to change your heart and to really work on putting others first. And when you put others first in a life of putting others first, your business soars, your family soars, your marriage soars, your relationship soars. There's nothing like living an authentic life, helping and serving others and wanting nothing in return. When you can put that DNA in your heart, amazing things are going to happen. Is there anything, is there any indicator to a person of um, what level they are on with a person? So how do you know, as a business owner or an agent, where you stand? Hmm. That's a great question. Do you know their story? Like when they're going through a tough time, do they call you? When you speak to them, is it only about real estate or what's going on? you know, you know, in, in selling a property or so forth, or, or do you know, do you know what's going on in their lives? That's really the, 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 the measure of it. Yeah. I think one of the things that I learned a long time ago was whatever people come to you with questions about, that's what they see mm-hmm. you as the expert. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, at the same time as a real estate agent, you know, people could come to you with real estate questions, but are they coming to you when, their world's falling apart. Like one of the things I think that agents are having a shift about right now is that in the past, say 10 years, mm-hmm. there was a lot of real estate transactions because good things were happening, mm-hmm. you know, and people would have, they'd increase the size of their family, they get married, they get promotions, they have more money than they've ever had before. And now there's a shift to a lot of the transactions are have to do transactions mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. want to do transactions. Mm-hmm. Right. And the emotional connection is different because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times people, unless they have that fifth floor relationship with you, if they're behind on their mortgage, they may not call you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they don't want to, they, they don't want very many people to know. Mm-hmm. Right. But they would want their best, closest, most trusted people to know. Would mm-hmm. you say that's right? Yes. Yes. And so there's a whole, there are a lot of books on being a, become a trusted advisor. Is how do you build relationships with someone that even after you sell home to, you continue that relationship. So when they're going through a tough time, you're the one they they call when when things are when things are tough. And you know about that subject of of tough times. I wrote a whole chapter in the Gift of Influence about that. We're so good at recognizing people's birthdays or anniversaries or when they sell their business or when their kid graduates college and all the good stuff. But when the stuff is tough. Sometimes we run away and it's not because we're mean or we're we're uncaring people. It's just kind of awkward. But when I turned 50, I had a birthday party, just small party in New York city with my best friends I grew up with in New York. My best friend from high school gets up to give a toast. And he said, you know, the world all, all read Tommy Spaulding's book and knows who he is, you know, as an author, but I grew up with this kid and I want you to, I want to tell you a story. When my wife cheated on me years ago and left me, and I became a single dad with three kids. Um, I was depressed. I wanted to kill myself. I was probably 150 pounds overweight and just in a dark, dark place. 
my middle school best friend, Tommy Spaulding, that kid called me every day for a year and a half to tell me he loved me. Mm. Wow. He, he never missed it. And he always told me the same thing. Corey, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. Because that's what I remember about Tommy Spaulding. And so that's what we have to be to people is to run towards when the people are going through a tough time, we run towards them. Um, and we, and we, and we're intentional. Like I did a retreat years ago and it was this gentleman that was an executive and he was sharing with the group. Cause I do these heart led leader retreats where I, I dive into this kind of stuff for an intense 48 hours. And he shared that his, that his daughter drowned in a, in a, in a, in a, in a lake at a high school party. Like it was like, I think it was May 15th. And, and, Next year is his one-year anniversary of that. And, and he was sharing with the group how tough that is. This was about four or five years ago. Most people would have said, oh, that's terrible. You lost your daughter. She drowned. It must be awful. Most people would think that. But what I did is what, that night as I went back, as I got my phone out, and I wrote a reoccurring message on every May 15th to call that guy. Mm. And I've called him every May 15th. Mm. And that's the difference. Like just being intentional when someone tells you this, listen, my husband died on September 10th. Well, don't you think September 10th is going to be a tough time for that woman forever? Absolutely. So you yeah. reach out to them. That's what heart leaders do. We're intentional. We write things down. We memorize things. We remember things and we run towards people. And, you know, hey, I'm, I, I, I got a friend that had cancer and they go, I'm going to be doing chemo every Monday, eight o'clock. I'm going to Des Moines Airport, Des Moines um, Hospital. I'm driving to Des Moines. Well, I called that person every Monday for, you know, 12 weeks straight of our chemo and they never forget it. Like those are the things that heart led leaders do. Those are the things that great realtors do is they, they remember dates. They remember people's stories and they, and they, they lean into pouring into people because they want to. And if it's at least a 5% inauthentic, don't do it. Like if you fake this stuff, you're going to, you're going to fail. Like it's got to be from a place of love and authenticity. And if you're doing it just because you want something in return, it's going to backfire. Yeah. That's a great story. So we have a couple minutes left. Mm. I want to talk to you about kicking a winning field goal. Mm. This will be a great way for us to end Mm. this podcast. I've heard this story probably a half dozen times Mm. and you used it uh, to in several different circumstances to be impactful. So tell us the, the kicking the winning field goal story. Yeah. Well, I think I shared earlier in your podcast that I was a struggling high school student. I wasn't kidding when I told you I graduated with a 2.0 GPA. I have severe dyslexia, ADHD, ADD, I got it all. And so they didn't know what to do with kids like me. And back when I was in high school, I didn't go to college right away. I joined up with people, but I struggled academically and just really struggled my self-confidence. I played soccer my junior year, the head football varsity coach, Bob Veltiti, calls me into his office. I thought I was, you know, in trouble for cutting class or something. He asked me if I ever kicked a football before. He said, I, I said to him, I don't think I've ever thrown a football before. He said, well, my star field goal kicker is graduating this year. And there's no kickers on my team, and I'm trying to recruit a soccer player to come over. He gives me a bag of footballs and said, Tommy, if you can learn how to kick a field goal and kick an extra point, you know, come to tryouts in August, and I'll, I'll put you on the team. So I took that bag of footballs, and every day I went to summer school that year because I failed a few classes, and um, <laughs> went to the football field, and I kicked over 250 footballs every day all summer. 
I built my leg. I, I, I'm not going to do this, but if I drop my pants right now, Brian, and you saw my right leg and my left leg, even today, 30 years later, my left, my right leg is bigger than my right leg because I worked out so much kicking these, these footballs. Well, I, sure enough, I made the team. And uh, we went undefeated. I didn't kick a field goal the whole season because our quarterback, Danny Munoz, was all state. He was so talented. And we just, he just found the end zone every game. So I just kicked extra points the whole season until our last game, the county championship against uh, Clarkstown North. And it was, um, it, was, it was a game that we were actually losing by two points. And uh, it was 22 seconds left of the game. The ball's on the 37-yard 30, line, which, which or sorry, 27-yard line, which was a 37-yard field goal. And um, fourth down and 22 seconds left. And Coach Bob Veltiti had to make a choice to put Danny Munoz in for, you know, 27-yard wideout, you know, uh, to, his, to his younger brother, Kenny, who caught every pass his brother threw, threw at him, or to put me in for a 37-yard field goal to, to win the game. And uh, he called the kicking crew out, and I couldn't believe it. I was about to throw up in, on, on the field. I was so nervous. And, of course, the other team coach calls timeout to ice the kicker so now i had two more minutes to think about how i'm going to ruin this game and my coach bob Veltiti walks on the field it's just me and him on the field and he looks at me and he, and he tells me he loves me and he says whether you make this field goal or not i'm still gonna love you but i'd really appreciate you making this damn field goal <laughs> and uh the ball was snapped and i kicked a perfect 37 yard field goal and we won the game it was carried off the field and it was the one of the best days of my life, um, and and not because we won. It was because someone believed in me. Someone put me in with 22 seconds left of the game and put the game on my shoulders and said, "I believe in you." And that's the power of influence. That's the power of relationships. Is when you believe in people, and you know, back to the people on this podcast that are leaders and leading people that lead teams. When you believe in your teammates and believe in who they are, they rise up. They'll kick that 37-yard field goal because you believe in them and because you love them. And they'll love you even more when they know that they make mistakes. You know, you're still there you know, to support them. I love that story. Mm, I love it too. And I, I, I love it because I know it's who you are. <laughs> and everything that you've said today is, is authentic because I've been on the other end of a lot of this stuff. Mm. You know, and, and you um, are really true to what you talk about. It's not like you're just writing books. Mm. You're actually living this life. Mm-hmm. So I really want to thank you for being our guest today mm-hmm. on this podcast. And I'm sure everybody's going to really enjoy listening to it. Mm. Ditto, because you've had an influence on me too. My son, Tate, who's 15 now, you know, his, one of his three best friends is your son, Logan. And he's been at your house more times than I can count. And every time he comes back from your house, he always says, God, Mr. Smith's the best cook in the world. <laughs> He's so good to me, sharpens my skates, treats me like a dad. And you've loved on my son. And through that, we've built a beautiful friendship. And I love your wife and all your kids. And I look forward to our friendship. And um, I'm just really, I really love being on your podcast today. We could talk for hours. Well, we're going to get you to do your own, right? <laughs> so we're going to talk about uh, maybe. that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much for your time. Mm. I appreciate you. And I appreciate everything that you've brought to this podcast and the influence that you're going to have on all of our people. Yeah. Love you, Brian. I love you, buddy. We'll see you. You bet.